everybody, welcome to Studio Wesley Annex, our weekly discussion of the lectionary text. It is so good to see you, and we are discussing the text for Advent 3, the third week of Advent. We are already cruising through this season. I'm really grateful to have some friends with me today. Um, as always, we've got Brooke Lawrence, who's part of Studio Wesley. Ty Revel is back from Kansas City. And my good friend, the Reverend Dr. Juana Jordan. Are we at doctor? We are at doctor. We are, we are. We're, we're working on it. We're yeah, working we're, on it. I'm claiming it. I'm claiming it. I'm speaking it. I manifested it. The Reverend Dr. Juana Jordan, friend to Studio Wesley, is hanging out with us today. And I am so excited about our discussion. It's going to be rich. Um, and so I want to invite us just uh, to pray um, real quick, and then we'll dive into the, the discussion. Let's pray. Jesus, I give you praise for all that you're doing in our lives. We thank you for this third week of Advent. We pray that you would continue to stir our expectation for all that you're wanting to do in our lives um, and in the world. Um, and we give you praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. Well, friends, we're going to have a great discussion today. We are talking about James chapter 5, Isaiah 35, Luke 1, uh, which is sitting in for the psalm this week. I'll explain that a little bit later. And then finally, Matthew 11. We're going to have such a great conversation. I'm excited. So, uh, Brooke, you want to go ahead and talk to us about James chapter 5? I do. Um, and I actually got a little bit too excited when I was reading. You know, I, um, I've read like how I read like the verses, right? The verses are James 5, 7 through 10, right? But the way this Bible works is like, it, it goes past that. So like, anyway, anyway, that, that's a really short passage that I've been given, but I am, there's a lot to talk about. Um, I work, I also work for Campus to City Wesley and over the summer, we like read through James from beginning to end. And we talked a bit about it. And the thing that we took away from James, um, and there's a lot of different beliefs about this, right? But we took the perspective that James is Jesus's brother, or at least like <laughs> had close interactions with Jesus. And I, um, I have a consistent thing where when I read the Bible, when I read what Jesus says, I just feel like Jesus has an interesting personality. Like he, um, I don't know, like he, he's a little bit sassy. He says things and you're like, okay, Jesus. And I definitely hear that tone throughout James. Like he'll say something and you're like, okay, James. Like he, he's like, this is right. And I'm just telling y'all, like, this is the truth. And <laughs> just to be really clear about that. And this is actually one of the milder passages in James. So I give thanks to that, like they didn't throw us a rougher passage during Advent. Um, but I'm going to pull out um, first James 5, 7 through, 7 through 8. Therefore, brothers and sisters, you must be patient as you, as you wait for the coming of the Lord. Consider the farmer who waits patiently for the coming of rain in the fall and spring, looking forward to the precious fruit of the earth. You also must wait patiently, strengthening your resolve because the coming of the Lord is near. Um, I love and I'm frustrated by this idea of patience. 
um, we talked a little bit about this in Advent One, but I, um, I've actually been, um, I've just been facing that like uncertainty, you know, in life of, <laughs> I feel like I have an, I, I don't have an idea. I don't have a clear idea of like, oh, like how will I sustain myself <laughs> in the coming year financially? Um, as I like go to grad school or try to go to grad school and all of those things. So um, I'm asking those questions. I'm wondering those things. And I think about the scriptures where um, like Jesus said, like, um, like he doesn't have, (laughs) he doesn't have a place to sleep, right? Like he doesn't, he doesn't know what's going to happen. He like depends on these women to like fund his ministry. Like he's living precariously day to day. Right. And I think a lot of the early Christians are doing that. A lot of the figures in the old Testament are doing that. And I feel really encouraged um, and challenged to also live that life. But one of the things that I've really found, um, found connection with is thinking about farmers Um thinking about like the way that a lot of the people in the Bible lived where to me, I'm like, Oh, farming, you know, I can idealize that. I'm like, Oh, that would be so nice. Like I would just farm and like, I would just take care of myself and Mm. my family. And like, that sounds great. Right. But really it's so much more, so much more precarious than that because they don't know, they don't know if they're going to farm and um, if they're going to like farm and if the rain won't come, right? Like they don't know if the crop is going to rise. Mm -hmm. And I feel, um, I feel challenged and invited um, by stepping into the perspective of these people in scripture and to apply that scripture, to read this through that lens of like, we are waiting patiently like a farmer and yet, And yet we know that they waited with that real sense of uncertainty and more of that sense of uncertainty than I have, right? Like, I feel like somehow I'll find a way to eat, you know, but I don't even think they had that certainty. A lot of people don't. Um, So I feel, I feel invited into that sense of big hope. Um, I also, (laughs) the last verse that we have, um, James 5, 10. Oh, yeah, James 5, 10. Um, or no, James, James 5, 9. Don't complain about each other, brothers and sisters, so that you won't be judged. Look, the judge is standing at the door. I, I okay, so when I was a kid, um, I don't know. So I, <laughs> um, I read, when I heard the, the text in the Bible, I was like, okay, like I hear what Jesus is saying. Like, don't judge people. If someone judges me, that's on them to the point where like, I'd be getting ready for church on Sunday. Right. And I'd be like, my mom's like, oh no, Brooke, like you have to like put yourself together more than that. Like people will judge us. And I'm like, mom, if we're in church and they judge us, like that's on them. Like (laughs) I can't be held accountable for that. Um, and it's that, um, it's that sense of challenge that I find in the text um, of 
And it's funny coming from James, right? Because James always has this tone where I don't know. Every time I we read something in James, I was like, he doesn't know. He didn't know me. Like he was not speaking directly to me. But I feel judged right now. And James has this way where he's like, oh, my gosh, like y'all need to be nicer to each other and like stop doing all of your stuff. And like he does not sound nice. Like it's, it's this constant tension with James. But I, I still feel invited into that challenge of um, um, that idea of like don't don't judge each other. Um, because that's, that's what God doesn't want us to do. And especially going into the holiday season, when you have all of these close, close conversations with family members, I'm um, really thinking about what does it mean to have an air of non-judgment in those spaces. I'm near the stream yard. I have myself muted. <laughs> Brooke, thank you for that. That was so, so great. Um, I'm, I'm just curious, Juana, Ty, if y'all have got any thoughts from uh, Brooke's reflection on James 5. Um, well, yeah, certainly. Um, I, I love this conversation around um, waiting and what it means to be patient. Um, and, you know, Brooke, as you were talking I, you know, I'm certainly I'm thinking about how um, it sounds as though James is, for me, is trying to get us to kind of release some of these burdens, this burden of, of you know, that that often um, I take on when I am trying to figure it all out. And um, when I'm trying to when I'm worrying about. Um, how everything is going to come together. You know, you were you were mentioning, you know, about what it means to just kind of live a life of being um, faithful enough to believe. You know what is you know it is going to come together, and it is such a challenge, and it is so hard. You know, I so so this is this is perfect because for this this past year, I've been living that way. Like this past year, I've not been in an appointment at a church, I have had to truly trust and rely on um, God to, you know, to like help me to continue to live. I'm, I'm still living in the same um, house that I rented when I was um, assigned to the church that I was assigned to. And, you know, my parents asked, people were saying, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm just going to live in the house. I mean, you know, I did have some money saved up. I said, but I'm just going to live in the house. And, and I'm, I'm believing it is going to work out. And, you know, and so it has really relieved me of like some stress to live every day believing, okay, something that is going to fall and it's going to happen for me at the right time. And, you know, I'm going to be able to, to eat. I'm going to be, you know, all the things that we worry about, you know, how am I going to live for a year? And so um, I was living, I've been living for a year also at the same time, wondering when is God going to show me what my next move is? And it is, it can be, you know, kind of stressful. And so I love how James, you know, 
uses this language of, of farming and agriculture and how the farmers, they will just, they are sowing these seeds are out there, you know, tilling the ground, getting the ground ready. They put the seeds in the ground and they have this kind of faith that um, I've done all that I can do that I know how to do as a farmer. And so now the rest is left up to the sea, God, the ground to make them germinate and do all the things that they're supposed to do in order for me to see a harvest when it's harvest season. And um, and I've lived that way. And, you know, as you said, it's not been easy, but it has been freeing at the same time because I have gone back and I've said, Okay, guy, like, look, dude, this is on you. Like, you have shared with me that this was the the move I was supposed to make in this season. Um, This is what I was supposed to plant in this season. So you need to produce something. Like, this is your thing. And so I I see what James is, is getting at as kind of like this lifting of a burden and kind of this invitation into a freer way to live, um, and particularly during a season that is so um, full of stressors. And, you know, we were just kind of talking off screen earlier about um, Thanksgiving and, you know, not having the burden of, and it can be a burden for some. I mean, it has been a burden for me at times of feeling like I got to have all these things cooked and I got to have all these things baked um, and to be given kind of this this window of opportunity, like say, Hey, you don't have to, you don't have to bake a thing. You don't have to do anything. You can, you know, um, I'm hearing it on the TV. People are saying, Hey, order, just call somebody and order some food. You don't have to cook all that food. And I've just been like, gosh, that is so great. Where have you all been to lift this burden off of me? Because I have felt the burden of feeling like as this woman, as this child of my parents, I should be like in the kitchen cooking and making things all nice. Um, And here somebody comes and says, no, just let somebody else do it. And so that's what I hear, James, like, let let somebody else do it. Wait patiently for um, the master's arrival. Um, You can't do anything about it anyway. So just like lean back and just wait in anticipation and enjoy like what happens in the midst of um, his coming. So that those are some of the things that, that come to mind as you were talking. So, so, so good, Wana. Wow. Ty, you got any thoughts on uh, Brooke's reflection? And then you can take us right into Isaiah 35. Um, well, I think some of my thoughts about it kind of carry over into uh, discussing Isaiah. So I'm just going to jump right in. Um, so, uh, for our old Testament text, we're reading from Isaiah 35. Um, and I was, as I was reading this passage, which I'll admit, I don't, um, I don't know that I was super familiar with it before, um, before today, I get this, this very obvious sense of nourishment. Um, this is a text all about nourishment um, and this anticipation of um, of this 
the world being fertilized and and starting to grow again um and people being changed in 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 all of these wonderful ways um and and as i think about that i i can't help but look at it through a a lens that i'm fairly comfortable with at this point which um i i'm sort of a natural um a natural skeptic i find that i have um it, it is a little bit harder for me um, to just accept uh, my faith. I've, I've had a lot of struggles with it, a lot of ups and downs, um, a lot of times where uh, my questions were very, very, very deep and um, <clears throat> I didn't have answers and I still don't, um, but maybe I'm a little bit more comfortable with where I am now. Um, but I think I'm, I'm thinking of it through that lens and this, um, the, a nourishment of the soul, um, a, a nourishment of what, um, my faith is what, uh, my soul is telling me. And, um, it really makes me, uh, turn to the Psalms, particularly Psalm 42. Uh, there's a bit of a parallel that I've found here. Um, Psalm 42 uh, starts with as the pure as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. Um, it's this deep longing for God, this deep longing for um, a drink from the source. Um, and then as we go back into Isaiah, we're looking at um, verse five. I found this interesting parallel. Uh, it says, "Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf." shall be opened and the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy for water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. And that in, in times that I have been in it, just a, a place of, um, a spiritual drought um, uh, where I've been really thirsty for, for some sort of renewal. Um, that text, that is what I have been wanting, what I've been dreaming of, what I've been hoping for um, and what I've been anticipating. And I think that there is an incredible amount of, patience that that is required to come through a, an experience like that uh and also um a, a tremendous amount of perseverance um and it's 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 a difficult thing for for somebody who is sort of inclined to um <clears throat> to 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 doubting and to in skepticism um but I think reading text like this it gives gives me and I, I hope anybody else who is experiencing a similar um, reality that that this that this text could be um, a source of joy and a source of um, of light at the end of the tunnel uh, of this anticipation of a, a renewing of the spirit. Um, that 
comes from deepening a relationship with God, going after a relationship with God, allowing God to engage in relationship with me um, and not putting all the weight on, on my own shoulders. Um, yeah, this, this um, speaks to my soul in a, in a big way, and I, I appreciate it, this text. So good, Ty. You know, the thing I've been loving about the Isaiah text uh, this season of Advent is that the, it, the prophet keeps trying to give us this picture of where things are going, what's available to us. And as, again, just the, the verses you lifted up um, are so vivid. Um, and you have to see it. Like you have to envision it. You have to perceive it, even though it's not necessarily happening right in front. Uh, Brooke, Juana, y'all have any thoughts on uh, Ty's reflection? Yeah, I um, I really just want to um, take a second before we start recording. Uh, I haven't I haven't talked with Ty about how he feels about people affirming him on podcasts yet, but um, Ty, I just started working with Ty um, in campus to study Wesley, and um, I just want to say that I'm so grateful that you're here with us, Ty that you are a person that I, um, I always say, like, <laughs> I think you have such a grounded spirituality and just so much of like the Holy Spirit's presence um, and compassion and kindness and care. You can tell me after if like you're not open to like these public affirmations. We can talk about, we can have a conversation about that. But um, the fact that you have that and you bring your doubts to the conversation and you're working with college-aged young adults on their faith journey, um, I that perspective of doubt was something that I needed so much. And that before I found the Wesley Foundation on my campus, I did not have access to as a student. And I'm just, um, and it's vulnerable to share that too, right? Like in church spaces, hopefully not so vulnerable in our spaces, but I really appreciate your honesty about that and um, and all that you bring into this conversation and all the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you. Well, I, I will share a little bit, um, Ty. I certainly um, have been moved by what you shared um, today. Um, and just, you know, and, and just, again, this vision that um, Isaiah um, brings to us and gives to us. And, and, and yes, you're right. I think particularly um, where we find ourselves today, um, all that we're up against, all the, the many, the many um, narratives that are there that are trying to um, gain access to us and and the many people who are calling and saying, "Hey, I got a story. Believe my story." And so to hear um, Isaiah share this vision of God is is truly refreshing. Um, you know, I was thinking about what you were saying of you know and how and how that relates to us waiting um, patiently and um, you know waiting patiently when you've heard what the promise is um, and you, you know, and you, you get weary in the midst of 
um, of the promise and you're you're wondering like we all wonder like many of those in you know first century wonder when is this messiah coming um you know you're hoping that maybe today is the day um and then you might not see the sign that you would like to see but yet isaiah um calls us back and i think it does kind of even lean into um where we're going in in the gospel of Matthew calls us back to, you know, these words that even Jesus speaks that says, um, you know, tells the disciples, go back and tell, you know, um, John the Baptist, what you've seen and what you have heard. Um, go back and, and talk about what it means to be a witness. So this idea of even while I'm waiting, am I waiting and am I seeing um, the signs. Am I aware of the signs that are before me? Um, there are these days when I, I am down and I'm thinking, I'm thinking that, you know, evil is winning. Um, and then I will hear this wonderful story of someone like today, I was talking to someone and um, this gentleman, and he says, well, you know, Juan, I need to get off the phone with you because, I mean, he's a builder. He's like, I need to get off the phone with you because um, I need to go and deliver this food that I've cooked to some of the elderly people who used to be some of my clients. I helped, you know, build their home, their dad, my dad knew them, and some of them can't get out anymore. And he says, and so one of the things I love to do is I'll make these soups and I cook this food and I just kind of drop it off to them because I know they can't get out. And it was one of those things. And I'm thinking, wow, that is really great. Like, I didn't even know like you did that. I just thought you were a contractor. You were a builder. You're like nails and hammers and stuff. And I didn't even know that there was this side of you. And it was just, a, it was a small thing, but it was the thing that gave me hope, right? It was just like, you know, waters are going to spring up in the desert, you know? And I mean, hearing that, like in, in the parched dry places, because you were talking about longings, soul longings. And so in those parched dry places, this promise that, that I am going to bring life and you may not see it today. Or you may see a small glimpse of it, but you still, the fact that I'm still going to wait and believe and I'm just going to ride this thing out because I'm like, I'm looking for it, you know? So I think about that. Um, and the way, the reason I say, I think it relates somewhat to this Matthew um, 11 gospel is because many of the people were looking for you know, this Messiah, they were looking for the water in the desert. And John the Baptist um, had been preaching this gospel that, hey, when this guy shows up, the Messiah, when he shows up, um, he's going to set things right. And and really what the people were looking for, they were looking for this king to come in and in their mind, like come with like the justice rod and really like kind of run through the Roman empire and tear down all of, you know, the idols and to dethrone the kings, um, those who thought that they were the sons of God. Um, and so they were looking for that. And so I find it interesting that beginning of 
that Matthew chapter, John the Baptist is in prison at this point. And he and it's it opens by saying that he had heard all that Jesus was doing. He had already heard all that Jesus was doing. And then he has this conversation with his followers. And he says, you know, go back and talk to him and ask him, you know, is he the one that we've been looking for and expecting? And I, it got me to even thinking about, um, so I'm waiting for God to do these things. But I also like in my mind, I have this expectation of how God is going to do it. And I have this, I've dreamed up this way that God can do it. And I'm, you know, and so what I'm looking for is for God to come in and do it just the way that I've dreamed it up. And so part of that text for me, um, I, I've thought about whether John was thinking, okay, when when my cousin gets here, he's going to release me. He's going to get me out of prison and together. Like, I don't know if they were, if, you know, in modern day terms, like, I don't know if it, it, it would have been like a, you know, Batman Robin duo kind of thing. I don't know, but. You know, I'm thinking John may have thought, hey, he's going to release me from prison. He's going to get me out. And together we will take we can take the kingdom down. And Jesus does none of that. Um, Jesus does not go, you know, against the, the kingdom and the Roman Empire. He's not like jockeying for these positions or anything. And he's just kind of hanging out. <laughs> he, he hanging out in the same place where John was. He's hanging out in the wilderness. He's hanging out in the dry places, but bringing water. And it looks different. And he's, you know, and that's what he tells disciples. Hey, go back and tell John, you know, what you've seen and what you've heard. And I thought, well, John has already heard. So there's something going on with, you know, with, you know, this expectation. And John is waiting. Um, but Jesus is not showing up the way that John would have liked and maybe expected and maybe the people are feeling the same way. And so it has them um, coming um, and, uh, kind of um, engaging with Jesus from this place of we're not really sure if you are who you are supposed to be or who you say you are, because we had this idea and you're not feeling it. You're not filling it out for me. And so. I think about with this waiting thing, I think about how um, how I really have to be, again, open and relieved of this burden of trying to figure out how God is going to going to show up for me um, and just kind of be in a, in a posture where I'm just going to be open. OK, I don't know how you're going to do it. You said you're going to do it. I'm holding you to that. I'm holding you to showing me where I'm supposed to be. I'm holding you to providing the money that I need for, you know, this bill that I got to pay. I'm holding you to all these. And God, I don't know how you're going to do it, you know, but I, I need you to, to really help me to not take on the burden of sitting around trying to plot your plan for you because that's just too much, you know. And so. Um, you know, I think when Jesus says in that in that Matthew chapter, blessed are those who take no offense. Um, I see that as happy are those who don't get caught up and don't take it personal when I don't come and do the things that they thought that I was going to do the way that they thought that I should do it. Blessed are those and happy are those who don't allow 
the way that I do it to not allow them to stumble and to hold them in a place where they're just done with me. But they're just they're following me still. Maybe you're following at a distance. But blessed are you who you keep coming to continue to figure out who I am and what I'm doing. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Friends, let's take a quick break. friends. If we haven't met, my name is Allison and I'm here to talk to you about one of the resources that we have to offer at The Wellness Project. The Wellness Project has two new cohorts starting this spring and you should definitely join us. A cohort is a mental health module that has been designed by campus ministers and students on our design team. The first cohort is titled Mental Health Overview and is exactly what it sounds like. There are eight sessions total and each session covers a different topic on mental health and wellness to give you a general overview of what those topics are. The second cohort is called Peer Support, and that's four sessions all to do with peer support. We would love to have you join us, and if you'd like to sign up, go to studiowesley.org slash wellnessproject. And we are back to Studio Wesley Annex, and I'm going to take us right into the psalm for this week, which is actually a Luke text. So there's this weird, interesting thing that happens during Advent where the psalm for the week, uh, there's an option to actually use this particular text out of Luke, which is known as the Magnificat. It's it's Mary's song and it's beautiful. And I wanna invite you to definitely check it out. Not gonna read it all today. Um, It's it's Luke chapter one starts at verse 46. And it's, I mean, it, it is its own song. I mean, it literally is a song that in some respects, you could drop in the Psalms and, and it actually pings to some other Psalms as well. But I think the thing that I, I mean, I love so many things uh, about this, about the Magnificat. Um, verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty handed. There's so much going on there. I, I think what I, what I have to be honest about, though, is that Mary is singing this song in a context where her people are in oppression on top of oppression. Uh, and there's just so many layers. I mean, there's just the basic layers of Mary being a, a Middle Eastern woman. And so there's just that, that layer. But the, 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 the Israelites, uh, this is actually the Jews at this point, um, and where they are in the, the social hierarchy of the day in the Roman Empire, where the Galileans are in respect to the larger context of Judaism. So there's so many layers of oppression that that she's living under, and she sings this song that is not really, she, she gets images that are not really her reality. And I, the thing that I, am, that I take away from this Luke 1 text, it literally is the first verse. My, Mary said, with all my heart, I glorify the Lord. Other translations, my soul does magnify the Lord. And the song she sings is her hope. She is singing her hope. And I am compelled, I am challenged, I am encouraged, even in the season of Advent, 
to sing the things by which I am hoping in, to not leave those dreams stuck down inside that can so easily be pressed down and suppressed because of the context that I live in, that I'm challenged by Mary's song to sing my hope. Um, but he shows, this is verse 50, he shows mercy to everyone from generation, from one generation to the next who honors him as God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. Like she is singing her deliverance. She is singing her justice. She is singing the, the world as it should be. And, and that for me, again, I'm just, I'm encouraged to sing, to get it out there, to put, to paint the picture Similar to what I see always in the in the prophet, um, to to get my hope out there and to literally sing it out. So that's my thought. Um, Ty, Brooke, Juana, any any responses to that? I'm not surprised that um, that you're singing the singing your hope um, part of that stands out to you uh, as someone who I have seen sing. I've seen you sing your hope um, and heard it uh, a lot of times. And um, yeah, that makes, that's, um, that's beautiful. That makes sense to me. I like that. I think about, I can't remember the exact scripture, um, Derek, but I think it's in, maybe it's in Zephaniah um, that talks about the singing God, you know, that God that sings, that sings our deliverance. Um, and so I think of that as, you know, as I see, you know, Mary um, doing that and and really, I think, again, like you said, just challenging all of us to um, to, again, adopt, you know, adopt this, you know, this narrative like, hey, this is this, you know, she, I think she, this is my story. This is my story. I, you know. You can call me crazy. You can say that I, you know, my eyesight is not well or whatever, but this is my story and I'm sticking with this. I, you know, this is what, this is what I am dreaming into what I believe that I will see manifest and happen when, you know, when God appears. Yeah. I, um, it's that time of the podcast when I remind everyone that I grew up Catholic. Um, I grew up Catholic and I, um, Mary has been, um, such an important foundational figure in my life. Um, I remember <laughs> I, um, we had to pick a saint for, um, confirmation and I was like, okay, I'm going to do Mary. And everyone was like, can you even do that? It was like, well, I'm doing it. And I like wrote my essay on like why Mary, what Mary meant to me. And my, my CCD teachers were just like confirmation teachers were just like, you know, we don't worship Mary, right? They're like, <laughs> they're like, they're like you know, we don't. But to me, Mary was when Jesus felt inaccessible. I mean, I was like literally like a 14-year-old girl going through confirmation, right? Like Mary felt accessible. Like I knew um, I could resonate with that sense of like I'm a person without power in the world, without voice, and still God is present. 
and still like God can do something with the love that I have. Um, and I've kind of drifted away from that um, in the past decade, I'd say, <laughs> maybe not decade, in the past <laughs> eight years or so as I've gone on my journey and found Methodism. Um, but I also, like I mentioned in our last episode, I, um, I really struggle still with seeing these characters as higher. And I always felt bad about Mary, right? Like, theologically, I understood Mary, like Mary was perfect, like, I can never be perfect. And um, I still have that mystery around Mary. Like, I don't know, like, did Mary say petty things? Did Mary, I don't know. I don't know. But I do feel invited to, again, take on that, that feeling that I had when I was a ninth grader. Um, and think that when Mary is saying these words, um, Mary is a person who is a lot more, <laughs> a lot more vulnerable than me, like a person who's dealing with a lot, <laughs> a lot more forces of oppression and darkness than I am, right? And I'm, I'm grateful for that. And yet, to the places of vulnerability and smallness that I have, um, my place is where I feel pushed down on the world, um, Mary, Mary's speaking for me too. And Mary's hope is for me too. And I feel very, um, comforted and, um, lit up in that. Wow. Thank you, Brooke. So, so great. All right, pastor, let's, uh, begin to land this plane and, uh, talk about Matthew 11. You've already talked a little bit about Matthew 11. Uh, so I'm excited to see what else you want to bring to the table. Uh, go for it, Pastor Juana. Oh, uh, Matthew 11? Um, yeah, I I think that, um, you know, again, I just was kind of bringing up um, what, it, what it must have meant for um, Jesus to be um, in that particular situation, you know, and he's talking, you know, he's healing the people and he's trying to show up as he is and show up um, doing the things that he has already, um, you know, figured that this is what he's supposed to be doing. His attention is supposed to be with liberating the people um, and liberating them in such ways so that they can experience their, their freedom um, outside of him going up against the empire. Like, I think there's something, um, there's something about when we encounter Jesus and Jesus meets us right where we are and begins to um, free us for, um, for us to really see ourselves as, you know, God sees us and, and how, you know, Jesus has seen us. Um, and it kind of reminds me, and this, you know, just, kind of allow me to, to share this, but it does kind of remind me of um, a little bit of what I've heard this theologian Howard Thurman say in regards to um, when we have had this encounter, this inner, he talks about this, um, this encounter with, you know, the, the, the deep spiritual self encounter with God. And when we know that we are um, deeply loved, when we know that we are children of God, that there are, there are these externals that can no longer have a hold on us in the same way that they once had a hold on us. Like 
Um, there are all these outside forces, all these things that are trying to come against us and oppress us. Um, but yet when we are able to really know ourselves, see ourselves, understand who we really, really are, um, really experience a wholeness. And I, you know, I believe in, in Matthew 11, that is what, you know, Jesus brings this wholeness. And so I thought it was very interesting too, that Jesus points out, um, in that same chapter, he, he asked those who are coming out to the wilderness and he's talking to them. He's like, you know, what do you come out here looking for? Um, you know, what did you expect to find? And I think that that is, you know, this question that I continue to sit with, like, um, you know, what am I looking for? What am, you know, what am I expecting to find? And here, you know, Jesus, once again, has told the disciples, go back and tell John what you have seen and what you have heard. You know, I don't know what you expected to find out here in the dry place, but now you can go back and tell them, you know, of you know, the, the the living water that's out here in the dry place. You probably didn't expect that, but that's what you're you're finding here. Um, so so again, I think for me in that Matthew text, there's something around um, me examining my expectations of Christ, um, what it means for me to question um, what I'm looking for when I am going to various places where I would suppose um, Jesus is supposed to be, or maybe even if I think maybe Jesus is not there, you know, what did I, what am I going there looking for? Um, and, and, and again, just kind of um, resting in this place of what it means to, um, you know, what it means to just kind of take a sit back and wait and see approach to really watch Jesus at work. Um, and just look for Jesus to appear the way in which Jesus is going to appear. I think if that makes, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Me, you know, me taking Jesus out of all these boxes, mm. like, you know, Hey, okay. So, you know, you may not give me right. The, you know, the, the best assignment or the best appointment, but I just got to trust that some kind of way you're going to show up in the midst of this. And I'm going to I'm going to experience something new that I did not anticipate experiencing. Yeah. So rich, Pastor. Oh, my gosh. So rich. Brooke, Ty, you got any thoughts on what Pastor Juana has uh, put on the table for us? Yeah, I um, again, throughout this whole time, Juana, I've just been so, um, yeah, so grateful for your story and your lived experience, um, that vulnerability and uncertainty of having faith, trying to listen to the Holy Spirit, um, and stepping out into that faith and the ways that that's hard, um, and talking like the ways that you've experienced that, um, especially in this past year, but also your reminder that, um, God is present like you said, like Jesus is showing up as Jesus shows up and it's not like we expect. Like I think like rarely throughout the gospel, can I think of a time, maybe never, where like Jesus did Jesus's thing and people were like, oh yeah, like I saw that coming. 
Like that's totally how I thought that was going to go down. Like Jesus shows up in these unexpected ways, but in these beautiful ways, like these ways that we've read and they still, they still fill us with hope and wonder, um, hope and wonder, wonder and faith. And um, yeah, I, I really feel encouraged and invited to, um, to bring that faith and that wonder and that waiting for Jesus and wondering what Jesus will do. Um, even into this very moment today, right now. So thank you for that. I I share um, similar thoughts with Brooke, um, but just this idea of uh, the way being prepared um, and not knowing what that is going to be necessarily, but... Um, but having faith that it will be good, um, perhaps in unconventional ways uh, or, or unexpected ways, I think is um, that a willingness to allow that that um, to be your reality. I think is an important thing to share. Um, and I, yeah, I I appreciate your perspective on that. Thank you. I, you know, I've been listening today and the word that continues to rise for me as we've shared, you know, these perspectives around the scripture is this, you know, this form of resistance and hope being a form of resistance, waiting patiently as being a form of resistance because the world that we live in is trying to move us quickly and fast. And I'm reminded that when we are moving very quickly and fast, um, it does not allow me to be able to really be focused on what the main thing is. And there's this woman, I think her name, she she calls herself the Nap Bishop Trisha Hearsey, right? And, and she talks about, how the system of the world is set up so that we, you know, we, we are in the, we're, we're operating in these systems to look, you need to grow plant. You need to grow, you know, orange tree. You know, we want things to happen so fast. And so, um, and move at this pace and in this system. And when we move at that, at the pace it is not normal for us to really be moving at it. Then as she talks about how it allows us to be manipulated we can be easily manipulated and we can easily we're we're more apt to buy into this false narrative than we are able to adopt and accept and own the true narrative um and what it means for us to you know stand back from you know from these systems and say oh okay yeah Jesus, you, yeah, you have a point there. I can see where you are more concerned about making sure I'm whole first before you go up against, you know, a whole big system. Um, because if I'm whole first, then when we then critique the system, um, we can critique it from a place of authenticity, right? And, and from a place where we can truly see um, and envision. And then we have the, uh, we have the ability 
to be able to see what you see. And I think she talks a, a lot about that, the dreaming state and things like that. And so if you, you know, and I'm just seeing Jesus taking like, I mean, he's helping blind people see. So if he's helping blind people see, that means they can then have the ability to really see, to really see, you know, and it's not seeing what you've shown me, but I can see beyond what you're showing me. I actually see what is on the other side. I can see the, you know, the rivers coming in the midst of the desert, you know? So. Pastor, that was a, that was a sum up right there. That was, that was, that, that was it. Um, So I'm going to invite you, Pastor, one of you to pray for us because you, this has been such a great conversation today. Oh my God. Oh wow. Yeah. This is, this has been great. Thank you all for, you know, inviting me in and, and giving me an opportunity to share and just be um, filled um, mm. with hope by you all. So let us go to the Lord in prayer. Mm. And so, Lord God, um, we come to you and we sit with you and we we commit to waiting with you, mm. to waiting with you to see, Lord, um, the mystery of who you are and to see the vision of what you would have us to see. So in this Advent season, Lord, we pray that you will show up in ways that we did not expect and you will open us up to a newness of what you are doing and what you are creating. Mm -hmm. So come Lord Jesus and come Holy Spirit and enliven us and move us into um, places where we will find ourselves, oh Lord, being able to liberate our brothers and sisters and open up opportunities for them to truly see. So, Lord, as you continue to give us um, new vision, as you continue to um, give us new appetites for um, the beautiful, wonderful, um, refreshing things that you are doing, we pray that we will also have the courage to do the same for each other and those whom we will encounter. So, Lord God, we are grateful and we are thankful um, that you are with us and that you are coming and that your appearing will be miraculous. We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh my gosh. Such a great conversation today. Thank you so much, Pastor Juana, for bringing all of your brilliance uh, to us today. So good. Ty, we just love you, my dude. So grateful for you, Brooke. It is always good to be in this conversation with you. Um, So friends, that's uh, our episode today. We'll see you next time for another episode of Scooter Wesley Annex. Everybody be well.